0: the word literally means victorious in other words he was telling us uh, we are more uh, than victorious Uh, we are hyper uh, victorious Uh, somebody in the building uh, ought to throw your hands in the air one more time and declare my name uh, is victory My name is Victory. Hallelujah. Did you know that the word of the Lord declares that he will cause us to triumph? Some of y'all missed that. You see, if two people are in a fight, somebody's going to triumph. Somebody's gonna win. The stronger the, the the quicker the the more somebody the more skill. somebody's going to triumph but God said when my people get in a fight I'm gonna cause them to triumph. You know what that means? It means God said, I'm gonna put my hand the scale of the fight and it doesn't matter what the fight is it doesn't matter who you're up against it doesn't matter what your situation is when I get involved when my hand is upon you you're gonna win I'm gonna cause you to triumph Somebody ought to look your enemy in the face this morning and declare God is causing me to triumph. Come on, if you believe it, clap your hands one more time and give him praise. Woo! Tell your neighbor the fight is fixed. Come on, tell him the fight is fixed. All you got to do is stay in the ring. God's going to make sure you're victorious. All you got to do is don't give up. God will make sure you're the winner. Tell your neighbor I'm a winner. That I'm a winner. That's why I'm not a quitter. Woo, you can win if you don't give up. Anybody believe that this morning? Are you excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Hallelujah. You can be seated for just a moment. I want to take a brief opportunity to say what a privilege and an honor it is to have every one of our guests here in the house of the Lord today. Rock Church, would you help me give a resounding ovation for all of our guests that are here? Come on, I'm going to ask you again. Can you help me give a resounding ovation for all of our guests that are in the house of the Lord today? Amen. What a privilege and an honor to have you here. And if this is your very first time here at the Rock Church of Fort Myers, you should have received a VIP invitation card. This is a card inviting you to join us immediately after the service in our VIP room. And we have some light refreshments and a small gift that we'd love to give you just as a token of our appreciation for you spending your morning here in the house of the Lord worshiping with us today. Amen, somebody. And we have a little understanding here at The Rock Church that you are only a guest for the first five minutes. After five minutes, you're no longer a guest at The Rock Church, but you're at home. Amen, somebody. Would you turn around 360 degrees from where you're sitting, shake every hand you can touch and tell them, welcome home this morning come on help me help me help me reach them they're in front of you behind you we tell them welcome home welcome home welcome home amen amen so good to have brother and sister Roslo in the house of the Lord with us all the way from Washington this morning would you help me put your hand together and welcome them back good to have brother Dale in the house of the Lord with us all the way from Washington and i saw sister addie here a little bit ago we're excited they're here in the house of the lord today amen somebody and uh so good i looked over and saw brother carlos and sister jackie in the house of the lord today come on would you help me give them a great big hand clap we love them so glad they're home and uh we're excited i'm telling you what we, we could get in our cars already today and say we have been in the presence of the Lord in this house. How many of you are thankful for the anointing that has been present with us in this building today? Amen. Would you stand with me all over this sanctuary as we prepare for the entrance of God's word into this house? Amen. While you're standing, I just looked over and saw Sister Priscilla in the house of the Lord. Would you help me welcome her back home and Whoever this young man is, it's with her. We're excited to have you in the house of the Lord today. And, uh, and, and this past week, God has been doing so many incredible things. Last week, several people received the Holy Ghost. And we had a couple of people baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of their sins. And there is simply no telling what is going to happen in this house today before we leave. Amen. One quick note about the schedule this week. Tell your neighbor the schedule this week. Tell them there will be church tonight. Tell them, and you don't want to miss it, no matter what you have to do. We will be back here for our regularly scheduled service tonight at 6.30 Sunday Night Live. It is going to be absolutely electrifying in this place tonight. You don't want to miss it but there is a change to our midweek schedule. Normally we have midweek service on Tuesday night, but in light of Impact International Youth Conference this week, amen, our midweek service has been moved and we will be here for three midweek services. Thursday night at 7.30, Friday night at 7.30, Saturday at noon, I'm telling you, you don't want to miss what God's going to be doing. Thursday night, seven thirty p.m. Pastor Miles Young from Elk Grove, California, will be delivering the word of the Lord to a packed building, and uh, it's going to be incredible. Then Friday night, none other than evangelist Jacob Phillips will be delivering the word of the Lord in this house. Saturday at noon, Pastor Stephen Collins from Birmingham, Alabama. We'll be delivering a word from God to this place. And uh, and then, of course, the following Sunday will be what we call our Impact After Party. And if you're if you've ever been here on a Sunday after Impact, if you know, you know. It's going to be absolutely amazing, and we're looking forward to all that God is going to do. I don't know about you today, but I came hungry in my spirit for a touch from God in this place. Is anybody ready for the word of the Lord today? Amen. We're excited to have Evangelist Jacob Phillips back with us this week. We want him to come and deliver the word of the Lord to us. Come on, Brother Phillips. We're excited about what God's given you today. Would you clap your hands unto the Lord one more time? Magnify his precious holy name. Well, come on, I think we can do a little bit better than that. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you the book of Numbers chapter 19. Numbers 19. I I think I've preached here enough at this point for you to know that we could just push the big red button right now. We could blow this place into smithereens and there would be just, I mean, pieces of this building just hanging all over the city as this place would go up in smoke. But there's and and I do believe, and I preach that there are some things you can only get in the shout. But sometimes you don't need to shout. Sometimes you need surgery. And and when you're shouting, it's easy to cover up what's going on on the inside. When you. Shouting, It's easy to show. Everything's fine. Somebody's getting nervous already. He coming for me. You're right. I'm coming for you. Amen. Give honor today to this wonderful man of God, First Lady, this wonderful church. Love so much. Amen. Amen. And let's go to the word of the Lord. Numbers chapter 19, verse 14. This is the law. Everyone say the law. When a man dieth in a tent, all that come into the tent and all that is in the tent shall be unclean seven days. And every open vessel which hath no covering bound upon it is unclean. Brother Williams, I can preach a whole message about headship right there. That'll just preach all by itself. said, And whosoever toucheth one that is slain with a sword in the open fields, or a dead body or a bone of a man or a grave shall be unclean seven days i want to preach to this wonderful congregation for the next few moments and time simply this bodies and bones bodies and bones would you help me right now by lifting your hands to heaven and ask the lord to touch us to help us God, we need you today. We recognize we can't do this on our own. God, if we don't have you, we don't have anything. And so, God, we're asking you right now to have your way in this house. Let the anointing of God that can destroy every yoke flow through this place. God, from the front to the back and side to side, let the anointing of the Holy Ghost flow through this house. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Would you clap your hands unto the Lord one more time and bless the wonderful name of Jesus. Come on, somebody bless his name. He's got a name above every other name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You may be seated in the fear of the Lord. As we go through the word of God, there are... So many different ways that we can read it, and it can be brought to life. And in that, we pick up today. Um, I would say, uh, let's just be honest. At face value, probably a boring book of the Bible. I lost you. I said, "What kind of church we at?" The preacher said, "The Bible was boring." I mean, When was the last time you read through the book of Numbers and was just really captivated? It's one of those books that's kind of like Leviticus and First Chronicles. It's, it, it, it's redundant, and the Lord said, da-da-da-da-da, and the Lord said, da-da-da, and he goes on through the word of God. And so in the book of Numbers, we have to put it in context this morning, of we recognize he's talking to his people, but we've got to see where they are coming from as God has given, uh, has given them deliverance and has brought them into a place where they can live in liberty. And now they must learn to live a life that is holy before the Lord. The book of Numbers, in my opinion, is a dictionary that is married to the book of Leviticus and Deuteronomy, and Leviticus, God told the priests how to live, and in the book of Deuteronomy, God told the uh, the people how to live, but it is the finer points of uh, these directions that are given here in the book of Numbers. There is a journey that is being made, God's people are on their way from a place where they could not do anything on their own, the land of Egypt, to a place that flows with milk and with honey. God's people are growing in government. God's people are growing in holiness and they are headed in the right direction towards their forever home. There is a constant theme that runs through the book of Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy and some would say that it was government. And while that may be true that it goes deeper than that, government is just a stem off the tree, if you will. And some would say it is separation. And yet again, you would be right because it is redundant throughout these books, God talking of his holiness and instructing us, be ye holy for I am holy. Some would probably take the time to uh, go to the book of Numbers and again say it is order and that would yet again be true. There's separation, there is government, there is holiness, there is order all found throughout these books. But while all of these things are there. At the root of these things, there is one constant that runs through the books of the law, and that is the defining of what is clean and unclean. Now, I, I, I want to take my time today. I realize we've shouted and we've danced and all that stuff, but it, it's, uh, listen, you, you've, you've, you've sat and listened to preachers way more boring than me, so just hang out with me for a minute. <laughs> But, but it's, it's in this book, this, this, this holy word of God, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, this theme that runs through there, it is the book that is defining what is clean and unclean. And, and for us in 2023, we don't really get a grip, a grip on what they were talking about because in our world, the defining of what is clean and unclean is defined by a green LED bulb. If it's on the dishes are clean. If that little light's on, the clothes are clean. If you're driving through the car wash, how do you know when it's time to pull out? Because you see the little green light come on and you recognize that now my vehicle is clean and so I need to pull forward. We define in our very spoiled American way uh, things that are unclean by leftovers that are still in the plate in the kitchen sink. We think of unclean as a shirt with a ketchup stain. We think of unclean as dirty hands after a day at work. And we can even get into some gruesome examples of unclean clean that I won't mention today, but even our our most gruesome and most things that we consider unclean, someone that has not bathed in six months, something that is septic, something that is bloody and gory, they cannot even begin to compare to what a biblical definition of what is clean and unclean really is simply because in our mind when something is unclean, we just go get some soap and we get some water and and we clean it up, we use a little bit of alcohol. Grease and that which is dirty can be made clean. But for a biblical definition of uncleanliness, it was more than a hard day at work. It was more than dishes in the sink. It was more than the grease and the grime and the gross. There was an external evidence of an internal issue that your body had, and so Leviticus deals with and defines how to to recognize. This This uncleanliness and this this disease that would be in their body. God instructs them how to identify it and how to uh, keep it out of the camp. Uh, again the grime and the smell of the rotten flesh that came from this disease called leprosy it was just a part of it Leviticus chapter 13 it, it deals exclusively God telling his man how to deal with this uncleanliness and how to separate it from the camp and uh, uh, to be found with leprosy in your body was the worst thing that anybody could tell you your skin begins to rot uh, your 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 the. Sl- smell of your flesh dying on your body begins to feel your nostrils and now the pain, the infection, you go numb in places and now you, you begin to injure yourself unknowingly because this pain gets to a place in your body to where it literally numbs the nervous system and now you can't feel anything and they can wrap you up and wash you up but yet it continues to deteriorate your body. You couldn't wash this all this wasn't a topical problem but while your body was feeling the effect on the outside it was because leprosy is often found in the bone marrow and so what, what simply put it is a disease that sh- attacks the structure of your body and as it gets into the structure of your body it makes its way through your body until it shows up on the outside and and so God told his people if you get this disease you stay away from everybody and so here we pick up in numbers and God tells his people if you touch the body or you touch the bone of the dead in the field you are unclean because there might be a, a possibility that the person that you have touched has leprosy in their bone and leprosy in their body and so the Bible says don't touch any of it. Don't touch the unclean thing. That's not where I want to stay today, but just let me tell you, your Bible still tells you touch not the unclean thing. And, and, and so historically we know in part, but uh, scripturally we know that there were uh, different cases. And you can read through the book of Leviticus. I'll, I'll give you some homework today. Go home and read chapter 13 of the book of Leviticus. And so uh, the purpose of that chapter is because there were some people that had leprosy but only had part of the symptoms. And so if you had leprosy and you only had part of the system, there was a Procedure that the priest could take, and that procedure was to set you outside of the camp for seven days. And after that, seven days they bring you back into the camp and look at you. I, I'm gonna preach in a minute. My time don't start till I start hollering. Some of y'all looking at your watch already. My time ain't started yet. When I start screaming, then my time starts. But, but what? The, the interesting thing is is what some called clean some called unclean what what some looked at as leprosy some said that's not leprosy that's that's un, that, that's just the spot that's just something that they're dealing with in their body and so there are these arguments that begin to exist in Israel that they, they the, be, between the priests as they look at it and say is it leprosy or is it not is it clean or is it unclean and that That kind of bleeds over metaphorically into some things that we say even in metaphors in America. It's Is the glass half empty or is the glass half full? Are you an optimist that they're going to get better? Are you a pessimist that they're about to die? And, And so there's this argument for year after year after year. Is it clean or is it unclean? Are they worthy to be in the camp or are they unworthy to be in the camp? Again, I want to remind you If you got this leprosy, you were not allowed to come to church. You were not allowed to have a family. You were not allowed to be with your friends. You were to be isolated. And so for thousands of years, is it clean? Is it unclean? For thousands of years, don't touch the body and don't touch the bone. For thousands of years, if you go out into the battlefield, make sure you watch where you step because if you step in the wrong place you might just get something that will change your world and you will never be the person you are again. For thousands of years people have wondered is it clean or is it unclean until one day in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 1 the Bible says that there was a man named Jesus that came down from the mountain and most Multitudes followed him and behold there came a leper which, which uh, worshipped him saying Lord if thou wilt canst thou make me clean and all of the sudden a group that nobody knew existed it was not the one that looked at it and said it's half empty or it's half full it was not the group that said is it clean or is it unclean but Jesus stretched forth his his hand And said, I will be, and he touched him and immediately he was healed. Can I tell you that that was a group that existed all alone that nobody knew about that didn't try to debate is it clean or unclean? He said, I'm not going to stand here and try to fix you by debating what your problem is, but I'm going to touch you and I'm going to fix your problem. Can I preach right now to someone? somebody that you came to church today and you don't know if you're clean or not you don't know if you fit in in the church or not you don't know if your situation will even allow you to be used in the kingdom of God but can I tell you on a Sunday morning that there's a God in this house that looks past your leprosy that looks past your uncleanliness and he will touch you and he will make you how? I don't think we have to have to debate this today. I think that we could all agree that we live in a world that's dirty in the sense of immorality. It's dirty in a sense of abuse. It's dirty in a sense of racism. It's dirty in a sense of failure. It's dirty in the sense of self-esteem. They're dirty in their body because they've been touched. They, 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 they never intended for it to end up that way, but they got somewhere because somebody touched them in ways that they weren't supposed to be touched. And that dirty body is a topical reference to something that you can't see. That, that, that feel that they are carrying around is because there's something on the inside in the structure of who they are and that's been damaged and the dirt on the body is showing up. The leprosy on the outside is showing up because there's leprosy on the inside and it's damaged them in the structure of who they are. They're dirty in their body because their bones are suffering from being abused. They're dirty in their body because they're suffering because they were molested when they were seven years old. They're dirty in their body because they're suffering from the abandonment uh, and the loneliness uh, and what that leper needs is not a high and mighty church person uh, to stand up and try to decide uh, what kind of leprosy it is. No, no, no. Uh, They don't need to shake another preacher's hand. Uh, They don't need another pat on the back telling them uh, that it's going to be okay. They don't need somebody uh, to bring them a church card and sign it. Uh, They don't need a saint of God to look at them uh, and try to figure out are you half full uh, or are you half empty? Uh, But what what they need what you need is another touch from the master what you need is to come to an altar and let the one that can heal you heal you let the one that can deliver you deliver you let the one that can turn your life around turn it all around again <laughs> Just in case you were wondering, you're in a shouting church. You're in a dancing church. And you came to church today and you you pat your foot to the beat of the drum and you've been clapping with the choir but all the while on the inside you're damaged on the outside you've learned how to clean it up and make it look good and make it look like you got it all together and make it look like you're fine and even your your husband, your wife don't even know the turmoil that's going on on the inside of you again I could just push the big red button today and we could have blew this up and we could have shouted and danced but God sent me here for a leper to let you know he wants to touch you I know you got it all together. You, you, you look good today. You, you, you put on your makeup and you, and you fix your hair up and, and you put on your jewelry and walked into the house of God hoping that all of that could cover up the pain that's going on on the inside. But I'm just going to tell you, that's not going to cover anything up. And the reason why you're hurting the way you're hurting is because you keep trying to fill the void with things that will never fill the void. You keep trying to find help uh, in places that you can never find help uh, you're not going to find help uh, at the AA now I thank God for it uh, you can sit down and talk about your problem uh, but where you're going to find help uh, is in the house of God uh, where leprosy is healed uh, where you're going to find help uh, is in the house of God uh, where your depression can be turned around uh, where you're going to find help uh, for your addiction is uh, the house of God if Paul was preaching today he would say I came to the philosophers and I tried to counsel it but that didn't work I tried to stand toe to toe and tried to show you all my wisdom and that didn't work oh help me Jesus Yeah, you don't know how strong I am preacher yep I know You're strong. You're independent. You got it. But remind me again why you're at church today if you're so strong, if you can do it on your own, why would you get up and come to the house of God? Because I'm going to tell you, this is an emotionalism and the reason you see some of these people shouting, it's because they were where you are right now and they've been through the hell that you've been through. uh, So if you don't need God, then just go ahead and you can be dismissed today. You're here because you know deep down on the inside I can't do it on my own. I've tried counseling and counseling didn't work. But Paul said, I came to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I'm just going to tell you, I'm not smart enough to fix you. I don't have enough money to bail you out of your problem. I'm not good enough to be able to bring you into the house of God and for you to leave whole. I know nothing in myself, but one thing I do know, if you'll let him touch you, if if you'll let him reach down into your cave, Chaos, and into your dysfunction. He will make you whole. Yeah. Paul had a testimony that I, I killed, I jailed, I, I did everything I thought was right and I get to the place where I'm climbing up the political ladder and I'm getting to the place where now now, now it's working out. People are starting to notice me, but I'm still empty and I'm still hurting, and I'm still wounded. But one day, Paul would tell us, while I was riding down the road with papers in my hand to kill another Christian, I was struck struck down there was a light from heaven that came upon me I was blinded long story short somebody prayed for me I spoke in other tongues and my life has been forever changed now, you, you, you want to know what the real difference was for Paul you want to know what changed him from Saul to Paul the Bible tells us in the very first scripture that he's listed at, under the name of Paul his his name was Saul and the Bible says and Saul who was also called Paul being filled with the Holy Ghost. You know what Paul was telling us? You know what Luke was telling us as he wrote the story? He was saying he was a man, but that that was deceitful, that was he was evil, he was a man that would cut your head off for preaching Jesus. But in one moment, when he was filled with the Holy Ghost, Saul the persecutor became Paul the preacher, saw the merciless, became Paul the merciful. I'm preaching to somebody today. You need the Holy Ghost. You need God to change you. You need God to fill you. Well, we'll just go back to shouting. Come back tonight. We'll shout. Uh, preacher, I wish you'd just move right along. I wish I wish you'd get out of this because you know, you're getting a little too close to home. you you, you, you don't know why I am the way that I am. I'm, I'm a harlot because when I was seven, I was molested. I'm, I'm an addict because when I was five, my daddy started letting me smoke cigarettes while he sat around with his friends and they thought it was funny. I'm a liar because my mom and daddy used to make me stand on the corner and lie and say we didn't have any food just so they didn't have to work and they'd blow it all on drugs. You don't know why I am the way I am. Let me tell you something. I don't care why you are the way you are. I know a man. I don't care how you got where you are I don't care what road you took to get there one thing I do know is how you're gonna get out of there it's Jesus Christ I I don't know how you got addicted but I do know how you're gonna get delivered it's Jesus Christ I don't know how you became a liar but I do know how you're gonna start telling the truth it's Jesus Christ I don't know why you're an alcoholic but I do know how you're gonna get sober it's Jesus Christ and when he fills you with his spirit it changes everything <clears throat> the Bible says that when he begins to prophesy book of Hebrews it, tell us, it tells us that now we have a high priest Jesus Christ now that he has passed into the heavens We don't have to worry about a man that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. And when Isaiah was prophesying of that man, it says that he was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities. Notice he's preaching in synonyms here. He says he was wounded, but can I tell you that that's topical? And he was bruised, that's under the surface. It says that he was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities. What he was selling you is he was wounded for the topical stuff that you're dealing with. He was wounded because you're addicted to nicotine. He was wounded because you're addicted to alcohol. He was wounded because you're addicted to drugs. He was wounded because you keep jumping from relationship to relationship. But he goes a little bit farther and he says, and he was bruised. And he was bruised because he knew the reason why you were doing all of that stuff on the outside is because there was a cry for help on the inside in the structure of who you were had been damaged. And God said, I'm not just going to show up and put a Band-Aid on your problem. I didn't die to just put a Band-Aid on it. I didn't die to just touch you a little bit. But I died so that the inside could be changed. I died so that the turmoil on the inside of your heart could be turned around and removed. Hello, again, I, I, I know I keep coming back to this, but we could have just kept on going. But God's got one here today. He God's got one here today. God's got one that's been dealing with leprosy and the stench of what you're going through. You've been carrying it around everywhere that you go. God's got one that made their way to church on a Sunday morning. Coming in and Nobody wants me. Nobody cares. Nobody knows the reason why I am the way that I am. And he sent this preacher all the way from Mississippi to let you know he knows. And he cares. And he can change you. And he can help you. And you are in the right place to be filled with something that will change everything. Ezekiel finds himself, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna tie some of this together and I won't preach it all today, I promise, but Ezekiel finds himself in the place where this scripture comes to fruition. First of all, have to recognize who Ezekiel is representing. And in order to do that, we've gotta go back and we've gotta read some more of the text, Numbers chapter 19, as it gets all a little bit farther. and verse 19, or in verse 18, It's talking about people that are unclean. It's talking about people that cannot, they don't have hope. They're dirty in their body and they're dirty in their bone. But in verse 18 it says, And a clean person shall take hyssop and dip it in the water and sprinkle it upon the tent. Now I would call a person that was tempted as we are tempted yet without sin, I'd call them clean. I'd call a person that was taken up on top of the mountain and offered the world, and yet he said, get thee behind me, Satan. I would call that clean. A clean person is gonna take hyssop and he's going to dip it in water and he is going to sprinkle it upon the tent and upon all the vessels and all the persons that were on him, that were there and upon him that touched the bone or one slain or one dead or a grave. He said there is going to be one and notice he says there is an applicator that he has to use. He is going to use hyssop. Understanding hyssop was used again for an applicator. It was used primarily by for two things in the Old Testament. One, it was used to apply blood. It was used at the Passover when they killed the lamb and they dipped the blood in the lamb and they put that over the doorpost. That was hyssop that was used to apply that. Then we find here in the the book of Numbers chapter 19 uh, Pastor Williams, it was used to apply water. It is here that we see the whole picture starts coming together because it's sprinkled upon them there and hyssop is only referred to to times in the New Testament. One reaching back to Moses and the second one is at the death of Jesus Christ right before they pierce his side and out comes blood and out comes water. In the Old Testament it was a priest that would cover you with the blood and with the water but he said I am that priest and you don't have to go through the motions anymore. You don't have to go through the You don't have to go through the formalities of what church is supposed to be, but I'm covering you with water and I'm covering you with blood. Ezekiel finds himself in this place. Ezekiel, you go study your Bible and I'm closing. Ezekiel finds himself in this place because Ezekiel is a priest and a prophet at the same time. Ezekiel knows the law. And the Bible says that God set me down in a valley full of dry bones. And you can preach the story however you wanna preach it. I'm preaching it right now, so I get to preach it how I wanna preach. But I see Ezekiel as he's standing there. He knows the law. He's having a vision. And and I wish I had time to preach more about this. I don't right now. I'll get to it later on in this revival. But he has a vision. And in this vision... These bones that are scattered around, and I picture in my mind as God begins to speak to Ezekiel. And Ezekiel knows if I touch this, I'm unclean. And God says, Son of man, can these bones yet live? And Ezekiel says, Lord, thou knowest. And I know we've preached it as he was saying, God, you can do anything. God, you're all powerful. God, you know if they can live or not. But Bishop Williams, I really believe Ezekiel was tiptoeing around the bones saying, I'm not supposed to be here. Yeah. Like, God, why did you put me here? Like, I, if I touch this situation, I'm gonna be made unclean. If, 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 if the, if, why, if you really cared about me, why would you let me be here? In my mind, it's Ezekiel again, and I, I I could give you a whole long deal that I don't have time to give you. You can just go home and study it for yourself. You'll find out I'm right. Ezekiel's tiptoeing around because he don't want to deal with the stuff he's having to deal with. And somebody's standing in the shoes of Ezekiel today. You came to church, and you've been tiptoeing around the problems. I don't want to deal with it. I'm preaching to somebody in the church right now. You've been in church five, 10 years, and God sets you down in a valley of dry bones, and you're mad at God because God puts you there. I'd rather just shout it away. I'd rather just dance it away. But funny if you're going to be who God wants you to be you got to get down in the valley of dry bones and figure out even in the unclean stuff. You're going to have to go back to the place where that person hurts you. You got to go back to the place that the bitterness got a hold of you. And you got to begin to speak and prophesy and let the wind of God begin to blow. Son of man can these unclean things become profitable son of man can the places that you were hurt be turned around and worked out for your good son of man can this bone that is unclean be something that can be used for the kingdom you don't know how bad my divorce was Telling you, you can't go forward in God till you go back to the moment that you were hurt and deal with that junk. But you don't know how bad it feels to be abandoned at 15 years old by your mama and daddy. Honey, you're right, I don't. And I feel bad for you, and I'm praying for you. And I hope that God gives you strength. But I'm telling you, you're not going to be able to shout this away because you weren't damaged on the outside, you were damaged on the inside. And you but you don't know you don't know you're right I don't know what it's like to walk a day in your shoes but let me just tell you something you're not going to be a part of the army that God wants you to be until you go to that valley and you find those dead bones and you begin to prophesy son of man can they live again God I don't want to be here but if you can say there's something good come out of this then I believe it walking around, stinking up the room because you're carrying your leprosy. (laughs) Everywhere you go, you carry the stench of what you've been through. It's down in your bones. And what happens when you get this in your spirit Is now everybody that tries to help you, you find a way to turn them into an enemy. Pastor, with all love and care, brings you in the office and tells you, we need to work on this, and you try to find something wrong with Pastor. Oh, and I told y'all, y'all was gonna like me a whole lot better tonight. Come back, we'll shout. But I'm walking in the Holy Ghost right now to somebody because we're we're trying to go somewhere in this revival and we need the army that the Lord can bring out of the bones. But you've got to get past your dysfunction and you've got to get past the poor pitiful me and you've got to... You got to get past the shouting it away. I know I've said that a couple of times just because the Holy Ghost keeps bringing me back to it. I think I've preached here enough. Bishop, you know I love to shout, so I'm not throwing punches at shouting, but I am trying to snatch somebody to a realization that you can't shout this away. You got to get in the altar, and you got to go back to the valley of dry bones, and you got to let the wine that cut. High, uh, the one that can cover you uh, with blood and water, uh, open you up, uh, and do what he does best. You look at people around this church, and you want to be like them. In order to be like them, you got to go through the process they went through. I want to be a pastor, like Bishop Williams. But you don't know the hell they had to get through to get to where they are and you better believe I know because I've been in ministry a long time. I've been doing this almost my whole life. I started preaching when I was nine years old. I've been evangelizing. I've been in full-time ministry since I was 17. I'm 31 years old. You do the math. I've been doing this a long time so I know without a shadow of a doubt that there have been places even maybe yearly and monthly that bishop and first lady have had the opportunity to get bitter and again. You want to get in the pulpit. You, you want to be used by God. You want to be an outreach director uh, you want to be a soul you want to be a world changer then you got to go back to the places uh, where you got bitter and you got to fix it (laughs) damaged oh you're delivered yeah you, you you're not the person you used to be but you're still damaged You got the band-aids on, and when people ask you how you are, yeah, I'm healing. Take, oh, I, I was, I, you know, they took my stitches out this week. But on the inside, your bones, bitterness is in the bones. Grief is in the bones. And you want the Holy Ghost. You want God to change you, and you want God to fill you. And let me tell you, He wants to do it. But you want God to fill you as long as you get to hold on to the stuff that made you bitter. Help me, Holy Ghost. <laughs> You want God to change you as long as he don't change that place of unforgiveness because you feel vindicated when you lay in your bed at night and you got something to hold over their head. God's trying to heal your marriage, but you still can't let something go. That happened five years ago before y'all got in church and God's wanting to use you and God's wanting to bless you and God's wanting to anoint you, but you can't let it go because you're damaged in your bone and the reason you won't let God go in there is because it hurts. He's saying, I want to heal you. Oh, I know he does. Won't he do it? won't he will won't he change you won't he will and God's saying I want to go there and you start covering up those hurting places cause you know in order for God to heal it you've got to go back to the moment So, as God is walking down the hallways of your heart, now I don't have time to get into this, but Jesus tells a story about how God is knocking upon the door. And He says, If any man will hear and let me come in, I will sup with him and He with me. I think that's more, Bishop, than just a one time occurrence. I think that's more than salvation. I view that picture, again, if I'm out of line, if I'm taking this out of context, you'll fix it later, but I I just view that as the heart is a hallway. And as God comes into your house, you let him in the house, there's doors going down this hallway. And some of them are open. And God has free reign to walk in, but there's places that are hurt. And God walks up to that door. And he begins to knock. Uh-uh, not there, Jesus. Uh. No, 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 I, I'm, I'm empowered by holding that over their head. Is, is, would it be okay if we turn the live stream off for a minute? Kill the live stream. I, I just want to talk to us here. Give me a thumbs up when it's off.